Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. together for our church, for our generous community. Amazing, amazing. Anybody excited to be in church today? Oh, wow. You guys sound like you haven't had your coffee. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on. I, I am excited. Today's been an amazing Sunday so far. And uh, for those that I haven't had the opportunity to meet, uh, my name is Adam and I get to serve here at Calvary as our online campus pastor. And uh, thank you. And, and I also get to serve on our staff in uh, really being able to to help this community just grow, to help this church continue to move forward to each, for each and every week for us to get better. So I truly love our church. And I love not only just the organization, the building, all this stuff is, you know, it's cute, it's pretty, but I love the people of our church. And that's what this is all about. So thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to be here. Um, I'm really excited to bring God's word today. I, I feel like I'm on mission today. And I'm not saying that to hype up anything. I say that because I, the reason why I feel like I'm on mission is because in, in, I believe it's first or second Corinthians, we're told that as God comforts us, he will in turn use, you, use at whatever he comforts us in to then comfort others. And really what I'm gonna be speaking out of today is really out of my heart. I'm really gonna be preaching to myself as we speak. Like what I wanna share is something that God has been ministering to me specifically. And uh, before I move any forward though, I do wanna give honor to our lead pastors, Alex and Diana Sagat. Come on, they're watching online. Let's give them a round of applause. And I want to do more than just give them honor. I really want to give them a shout out because let's, let's all be real. The, the pandemic shut everything down. Like as a church, uh, we, we never closed, right? But our doors were. And while we stood online and while we continue to at least get services out each and every week, I, I want to tell you this much that our lead pastors, they could have easily gone what I would call the easy route, which is just focusing on ourselves, focusing on just making sure we're just still up and running as a church, which there's nothing wrong with that. If you went, if you did that, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm, what I'm going out with this is that they led us, they, they led us in a charge, inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue to move forward, to be able to give out more through our, through our outreach, to be able to just make more of an impact. So for that, I give you guys a shout out and I love you and I honor you. But... Let's go ahead and let's get into God's word. So what I want to, uh, I want to give you guys just a, a quick framework, a framework of what to expect right now. What I want to share is more, is a mix between a topical and an expository uh, teaching. So topical in the sense of there's an overarching theme, expository, because I want us to read some scripture and really break down its true meaning and break down what we can get for it and how it applies to us. So if you do have your Bibles, I, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to the book of Psalms, book of Psalm, specifically Psalm 126. And if this is your first time being in an environment like this and you hear, wait, there's a book that has 126 chapters. Yes, that is intimidating. But I got better news. There's 150 of, of Psalms. But the bright side is that the book of Psalms, it's, it's really a collection of poems. It's a, it's a collection of talks, uh, of, of really songs. Um, the word Psalm in and of itself means praise. And it's, it's written, actually, there's a couple of fun facts about the book of Psalm is that when people think of this book, they automatically think, oh, King David. 
because he actually wrote about 73 of the 150. So he wrote majority of them. But the book of Psalm actually has the most contributors in the Bible, throughout every book in the Bible. So we believe that the Bible, yes, it was physically written by man, but it was all God breath, all inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this has the most contributors, and not only King David, but also his son, King Solomon. Another, another communicator by the name of um, Asaph, there's Ethan, there's the sons of Korah, so many different writers. This, this book is actually, in, in, as far as the dates of, from the first Psalm all the way to the last, they're not in chronological order, but from when they were originally written, it's a span of almost 900 years. So over the span of uh, just about, give or take 900 years, the Holy Spirit was inspiring people to continue to write praises to him. And what I find so, so interesting about the book of Psalm, and if you've been in an environment like this in the past, or you've, been, you've grown in the church, you've heard many Psalms. I think the book of Psalm is one of the more famous books in the Bible, not because it's the longest, but also because it's the most relatable book in the Bible. See, the book of Psalm really gives us uh, uh, a real clear picture of the human condition. It's one of the most emotional books. You, you see the writers as they're, writing these, as they're writing these songs really show you the full spectrum of our emotions from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. It's, it's, I think it's beautiful that we can read this. While the Bible is not written to us, it's written for us. And we can look at all these different, all these different people who wrote these songs. We can, in essence, have character studies on how they reacted when certain situations in their life approached them. So in Psalm 126... This psalm is actually titled, A Song of Ascents. So what that means is that this was meant to be one of those happier, like, praiseworthy songs. Kind of like that one we sang earlier in the service, you know, oh, la, la, like that one. Like, it's supposed to be one of those happier, like, feel-good type songs. And I love how in the first half of it, it's only six, six verses, but it's short but profound. Because in the first half of it, the writer is speaking about how the, the, the nation of Israel, the people, they were freed from captivity. They even go on to say how it felt like a dream because it was too good to be true. That it was so sudden, it just happened. It was, it, was, it was an amazing experience. And then they go on in the second half, starting in verse 4, to, to then say, restore our land. And where I want us to pick up in verse 5, and we're going to read together. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to come up on the screen. And starting in verse 5, it says, that those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. I want to reread that. It's, it's, I, and I really want us to underline that and remember that, that those who sow with tears will reap songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. What this writer is really is illustrating to us is that while these people were dealing with so much pain while in captivity, while they were dealing with some of the hardest times in their life, that what they were doing is sowing seeds of pain, seeds of sorrow, but yet in that, what will come from those seeds will be joy. It's paradoxical, but I want us to break this down. But the overarching theme of my message is that God can redeem every little ounce of pain that you experience in your life, in your year, whatever it is that God will redeem it. And whatever seeds that you have sown, whether it's in 2020 or 1997 or 1987, guess what? God will bring joy from that. But I want us to break this down. And before we do, let's go ahead and let's bow, bow our heads and close our eyes and let's ask God to bless this time. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace. God, we thank you just for your faithfulness. God, we thank you that you never fail us. And that God, while it may not make sense, Lord, you always find a way to redeem every single bit of pain in our lives, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for every person that's here, everybody that's under the sound of my voice, God, that you would take this message, you would break it up into a thousand pieces and let it land on every heart, however you seem fit, Jesus. Lord, anoint my lips to declare your word, Father. 
I mean, anybody in here who feels discouraged, who feels like they're on their last, just, just their last straw, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, you would comfort them, and you would remind them that you are with them and for them. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Which, by the way, if you are writing notes, the title of my message is Redemption in the Rough. Redemption in the Rough. I'm, I was either between that, that title or another one called like From, from uh, Pain to Praise, but Redemption in the Rough, I thought it was cooler. Either way, uh, so let's, let's, let's talk about this. Life. Am I right? Just life in itself. It's, life is a very beautiful thing. It's a very beautiful experience. It's also a very painful experience. But if we look at the grand scheme of things, life is beautiful. And what I've come to gather over the many, many years I've been alive, oh, close to 30, um, is that life and our quality of life is composed of moments. Right. Not events, not, not calendar dates and not minutes, but of moments. Right. Amazing moments, painful moments, but that really these moments that, that come in our life, they shape our character. They shape who we are. They shape how we look at things. They shape um, how we react to certain situations. They, they, they basically, they shape us. And if there's anything I've gathered is that there's nothing worse than losing out on a special moment. There's nothing worse than, you know, you know that feeling when you have a surprise for someone and someone spoils it? Like, how angry do you get? Like, how upset do you get? It's, there's just nothing worse than losing out on, a, 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 like, a landmark, a, a, an amazing moment in your life. But then when you have those special moments, right, for parents, when you saw your child walk for the first time, for, for those that are married, when you had your first kiss with your significant other, that first time you told them, I love you. How special was that moment? Am I right? Like, it was amazing. But it, for me, I, I guess to share a story that, that pretty much will put me on both sides of the spectrum here was actually when I was planning to propose to my wife. So I've been married for coming up to four years, and I've been in love with this woman for 11 years. And I know, that's definitely, babe, I love you. Hi. She's at home. Um, so... So, again, when I was going to propose to her, I had this elaborate plan. Like, I had already figured out this is how I'm going to do it. This is, this is where it's going to happen. I mean, if anybody, anybody who serves on our online team, and if you ask them a question, how is Adam when it comes to details, I'm sure they will tell you I am extremely detail-oriented. It's a gift and a curse that I see the things that other people can't see. But it's, it's one of those things that I had planned it out to the T. Like, this is what was going to happen. I sent out the game plan on Tuesday. My, like, the whole goal was for me to propose on Saturday. So I sent out the game plan on Tuesday. I reached out to my sister because my sister is not only my best friend, she's my wife's best friend, which is a, that's already a beautiful relationship of, in and of itself. There's no conflict. Amen. So I had planned on, on this, entire, this entire day for my wife that, see, they're, they're part of a group of friends. There's like five or six of them. I think they're like a gang. They call themselves the dolls. Either way. So I tell my sister, hey, I need you to reach out to the girls, write the group chat, let them know this is what's going to happen. I need this person to write and say, hey, I want to spoil all of you. I want us to go to a spa day. I want us all to hang out together. I want us, to, I want us all to get pampered. The whole goal is so that my wife ended up, you know, that throughout that day, she would get pampered. She would get her nails done. She would look beautiful so that all right, right around the time 2 p.m. Easter Standard Time came, I get on one knee, pop the question, and we have a party. So then I get a text on uh, Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon comes. My sister texts me, and she says, hey, uh, just so you know, uh, the girls are going to be out of town. They said they can't do it anymore. Again, this is, I've gotten a lot better at this. I probably said some things that you know, I, I still need to apologize for. But you had one job. You had one job. Just, just get the group together. You didn't even have to pay for it. I was going to pay for it all. And for me, I got so upset. 
And I got so livid, so angry at the fact that I'm about to lose out on this special moment. But thankfully, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, our, our Kendall campus pastor, Stephanie Gonzalez, came through clutch in the last quarter. So if those that don't know what clutch means, that means if there's three seconds left in the game and you need someone to score a point, that's who you want to give it to. Steph came in like Kobe Bryant in the last quarter with two seconds. RIP, Kobe. Like, Steph came through because that Friday night, she starts texting me, and I'm like, Steph, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even want to do this anymore. Forget it. If this is how our marriage is going to, if this is how our marriage, just to even ask if she wants to marriage me, uh, marriage me, if she wants to marry me is going to start, then I don't even want to, I don't even want to look forward to what's to happen. It's already too difficult as it is. But then Steph, you know, she, her words of wisdom, and she goes on to tell me, you know what, don't worry about it, I got you covered. And we come up with this new plan, a backup plan. So the backup plan ended up happening. She ends up taking my wife throughout the day in the morning. She had told her that she was going to hang out with her at some, like, outdoor, like, theater in Wynwood, like, something hipster. But uh, that, was, that was the plan because, you know, she was going to be blindfolded. She was going to be surprised. Long story short, I ended, up, I ended up managing to reach out to a few people I know, and then I, we ended up, I ended up asking her to marry me in the back of the high school that we met and we had our first kiss. I know, super romantic. So thankfully it all worked out and like, you know, I got my ring on, like we're, we're married, we're good, right? Yeah, come on, thank Jesus for that. And while it's a funny illustration, the reality is that I was on both sides of the spectrum there when it came to a specific moment in my life. I went from being extremely disheartened, extremely upset, extremely discouraged to then obviously being happy, but still it left me jaded. That thought of if this is how it's going to start, what else is to come? But hasn't that happened to us all? Hasn't that happened to us all in 2020? Maybe this year you had high expectations. Maybe this year you had plans, like you were going to travel. This was finally going to be the year that you saved up money and you were going to spoil yourself. Treat yourself. This was going to be the year that you were actually going to do what you wanted to do. This was going to be the year that you were planning on, on growing in your workplace. This was going to be the year that maybe you had your wedding planned for this year. Maybe you had this beautiful wedding with an amazing honeymoon happen. But guess what? COVID happened. And we were in quarantine for months. Not for two weeks. At first, everyone thought it was two weeks. And we're like, okay, don't worry. February, we'll, we'll get past this. March, don't worry. We'll get past this. But then July came, and we were still in quarantine. Yeah. Or better yet, forget about 2020. Maybe something happened in 2017. Maybe, maybe there were moments in your life that were so upsetting that and so discouraging that you feel broken from it still. That you still haven't been able to get on the other side of it all. Maybe, there, maybe in this year in itself, like you, you had such high expectations and at this point you feel like you were robbed of your life you were robbed of a year you were robbed of moments of your life you felt like you were held captive to something you cannot see and you cannot feel and the reality is that can be extremely painful i know that firsthand it's extremely painful but how, what's, how do how do humans react when we deal with pain we don't want to confront it we want to take we want to take advil and it goes away right confronting pain is painful and sometimes when we go ahead and we try to brush it under the rug, when we try to forget about these moments, when we try to run away from this pain, it ends up making us numb. See, being happy is healthy. Being upset and angry and sad is also healthy. Being indifferent is not. There's nothing worse than feeling like you can't feel anymore. There's nothing worse than that. Because even when you finally get out of a mental a mental funk, you still feel emotionally you can't enjoy anything. 
And the big problem is that when we don't allow the pain in our life, if we, don't, if we ignore it, then we develop what I like to call a spiritual leprosy. See, leprosy was a, was a disease, really is mentioned a lot in the Bible. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they just think of something that's eating your flesh, like their skin, they have lesions, they're falling off. But the reality is, when people get leprosy, the first thing that they lose is their sensation of touch. They can't feel anything. So that's why the lesions come, and that's why you know, they end up with a lot of injuries. But because we cannot feel anymore, we then lose hope. And when you can't hope, then everything else in your life begins to crumble. Everything else in your life begins to fall apart because you have nothing to look forward to. But that's why I love this text that we read. That's why I think it's so relevant to today that for a lot of us, that maybe this could have been one of the hardest years of our lives. Or maybe you've had a tougher year, but for some reason, this year, it just, it just hits different. Maybe it's because, again, the pain that happened, maybe you were confronted with some trauma that you were not ready to deal with. You were confronted with something that happened in the past because you had all this free time. Maybe you realize that you feel more lonely than you thought you, you did. Because you see these people having, you see, you go on social media and you can see people having parades, you know, on someone's birthday saying happy birthday, but nobody came for your birthday. You see how people are on Zoom and FaceTime calls all the time and reposting it and everyone was interviewing each other on Instagram Live, but no one has even texted you to see how you're doing. That could be painful. That could be painful. And again, it can leave us jaded and it can leave us with no hope, not wanting to look forward. But again, in the text, what, what are we told? We're told that he will turn these seeds of sorrow, these seeds sown with tears into joy. So what could have been the hardest time of their life, what could have been the time where these people were in captivity, they could have given up all hope. But yet we're led by the writer of this psalm to rejoice and reminding us that the seeds we sow with tears will then become a harvest we take filled with joy. I love how we're reminded by God's word that he will redeem every painful moment in our life. See, the, the truth is that our pain, the pain that we deal with, whether it's discouragement, physical pain, meant, like what, whatever pain you may have to encounter and deal with, the reality is that our pain is a platform to display God's faithfulness. Our pain is a platform to display God's faithfulness because he moves in that pain. He moves through that pain. The thing is we have to acknowledge it and we have to allow him to do that. And the reality is this. You know, you heard that, and it sounds great. It sounds like something you can definitely make a hashtag, or if you post up a cool picture on Instagram, it's a great caption, right? Like, our pain is a platform to display God's faithfulness. Yeah, I know. That's why I wrote it. I'm just kidding. But the reality is that more times than less, it's not going to make sense. Like, you're going to think, like, God, why? Maybe you've been serving God faithfully your entire life, but yet your family is falling apart. And you're asking, God, I serve you. Why? Maybe you've just been doing everything right. You live your life morally. You show up to work on time every single day. You make sure that you clock in on time. You make sure that you don't steal money. You, you, don't, you don't cheat on your taxes. You don't do anything. But yet, when the pandemic starts, you lost your job. Why, God? Maybe you, again, you, you, you've been praying. You've been fasting years after year after year after year for God to, to provide for you a spouse. And then this was a year you were going to get married. But then quarantine happened. Why, God? We can ask a lot of whys. 
But if there's anything you get from this message, for those that are writing notes, write this down. For those that are not writing notes, I'm going to ask that you please write this down and remember this. And the overarching truth of what I want to share today is that while we may not understand everything God is doing, we do need to have faith in who he is. We may not understand everything that he is doing, but we do need to have faith in who he is. So that's the what. Now let's go to the who. That leads us to this next question of who is God, right? Who is God? I know that, oh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. Yes, that's, yeah, you know, all three in one, God. But more importantly, who is God to you? Who is God to you? And, and, and that's a question we always need to ask ourselves. Who is God to me? I will tell you the trap that we can fall in, and I, and I speak on behalf of myself, where I've fallen into this trap is that when we try to define who God is based off of our opinions, based off of our own biases, based off of our own experiences, see, God is not human. God is God. See, God is not our dad that walked out on us. But yet, it's very easy sometimes to look at him as this overarching, like, tyrant in space that, that, wants, that just wants nothing to do with us, right? Sometimes we can even put our own political biases to God. Oh, Jesus is a socialist. Jesus is a capitalist. And we can run into that trap. And we can project who we think God is. But instead, I want to encourage us right now to let God define who he is. Let himself define through his word. Because it's through his word where he says, this is who I am. And more importantly, this is who I am in relation to you. So if, if any of us here right now are asking that question, who is God to me? Let's allow him to answer that. See, there's many scriptures, there's, there's plenty of passages in the Bible that, that kind of highlight that, that kind of display our relation, this dynamic we have with God. I think one that's so beautiful and one that really is one of the most popular portions of scripture in my, in my opinion, you know, the couple of years I've been around the church, I see this at least once a week, is Psalm 23. We're going to go back 120, 100, 103 chapters, and we're going to go to Psalm 23. And I want us to read this and read it together. And in Psalm 23, it's written by King David. This is, the one, that was, this is one of the 73 written by him. But I love how King David was so confident and so firm in his, relation with God, in his relationship with God that he's able to declare many truths. And we're going to break it down, but first let's read it. So in Psalm 23, picking up in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I love that. I love those verses. And I'm sure you've, if you've been around this type of environment in a church environment, you may have heard someone speak on, on, on this psalm specifically. And, but we're really what I want to highlight in this psalm, I really want us to break this down, is that we, let's, see, let's see who God tells us who he is through his word. Right. See, in the Bible, God has given many names. And the thing is we need to understand is that every name has significance. Every name has meaning. 
Every name has purpose. There are some names that are indicative of his character, of who he says, I am kind, I am comforting, right? Like we have those type of names. But then also there are several what's called covenant names, Hebrew covenant names, which means that the name itself is associated with the promise that God has for who he is and what he will do in relation to us. And in this passage, in these six verses, there's actually eight covenant names that we can identify that I want us to look at, that I want us to, to see. And I really want us to, to like let this sit in our heart so that whenever we find ourselves in encountering moments of pain, whenever we find ourselves trying to deal with previous pain, that we can remember who God says he is so that we can create healthy thought patterns so that our spirit can be uplifted, so that we can be made whole, so that we can tap into everything that God has for us, not only as we navigate life, but as we step into this new year of 2021. So the first name that I want us to highlight, and just throwing it out there, you, you, there's many different ways and variations of, of the first part, right? But you know, it's, in Hebrew, it's Yahweh. But the first name that I want us to look at is Jehovah Reah. Jehovah Reah, which means the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. Let's go back to the text. Psalm 23, verse 1. Straight, very straightforward. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I want, us to, I want us to reread that, and let's look at that second to last word. Does it say the Lord is a shepherd? No. Does it say the Lord is, you know, the shepherd? No. The Lord is my shepherd. And my prayer for every single one of you in here, those watching online, anybody under the sound of my voice, that you will declare and believe that the Lord is your shepherd. That as you navigate life, as you navigate and you step into 2021, you can say the Lord is my shepherd. See, the, the, the word shepherd in its original language, it could be translated into pastor. The Lord is your pastor. Yeah, Pastor Alex is our lead pastor, and we have amazing pastors like Yoli and Mike and Phil. But the Lord is your pastor. That means he's there to comfort you. That means he's, he's there to lead you. He's there to hear you out. I actually love how Jesus in, in John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Let's remember that he is our shepherd. The second name is that he is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Again, let's go back to the text. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Last time I checked, the only time when I don't want something is when I already have it. That means he, he, he provides for us. You know, a lot of times we can look at, we can look at our jobs as our provider. We can look at friends and family members as our provider. We can look at so many different things in this world that really lose value eventually. You can think Bitcoin is your provider, but guess what? All that stuff will crumble. That stuff only has value to, to whoever is willing to pay for it. Right? That can, I think we all learned firsthand that there is no amount of money you can ever possess that can protect you from COVID. There's no amount of money that can protect you from a pandemic. But the Lord is your provider. He will always give you a way. He will always be your source. You know, actually when this name was first introduced in the Bible, it was in the book of Genesis. And this is when Abraham, he, he was climbing up a mountain to go and sacrifice his son because God was testing his faith. His son that was promised to him, that was the gift from God. But yet Abraham had, out of faith, had to believe God for who he was and took his son, his one and only son at that point, up to a mountaintop and had to give him up as a sacrifice. But yet, yeah, at the last minute, God provided a ram. So I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know 
if you're short anywhere when it comes to your finances. I don't know if you feel like you just, you just need something. You need, you need help. Remember, the Lord is your provider. Look to him and he will bring it to you. The third name is that he is Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't, I don't, I don't know what situation you're in. I only know what I'm dealing with. <laughs> but rest in that fact that he is your peace. Going back to the text, let's, let's look at this beautiful picture of what he does. In Psalm chapter three, verse two, it says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Just think of that. For me, I remember when I was dating my wife, we would always go to this park in, uh, in, in Miami Lakes. And in this park, um, there was always this little, this little pond with ducks. And on a hard day, we would just say, hey, let's just go and let's just sit there. And it's crazy just sitting there, just looking at still waters. It brings peace. But the thing is, peace is, not, peace is not something that's circumstantial. Peace is not a concept. Peace is not an emotion. Peace is a person. Isaiah 9, 6 tells us that Jesus is the prince of peace. And the thing is, when, when you allow the Lord to be your peace, when you allow him to be Jehovah Shalom, how Jesus says in John chapter 14, he says, peace I leave, I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give, give to you as the world gives, but don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's not a peace that you can get from anything in this world. It's a peace that you can come from the one that is peace. The next name, number five, I mean, number four, we're, we're really rolling here, is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord is my healer. In the text, it says, he restores my soul. See, the word restore in its original language basically means that to bring back to health, to return to its original design, to go to its origin from where it started. Maybe you're here today and the best way that you can describe it is that you feel broken. There's, there's, like Physically, you're okay, but mentally, you feel broken. Emotionally, you feel broken. You feel like you don't, know how to, you don't know how to handle any situation at this point. The next, the, next, the next disaster, the next bad news report that you hear, you're probably going to lose it. See, I, I, while I do believe God still heals physically today, he still performs miracles today. We would be doing him an injustice if we only assume that he only heals our bodies. He can heal your mind. He can heal your spirit. He can heal every little part that doesn't feel right. The next name is Jehovah, and the T is silent, but it's Jehovah Sikhinu. <laughs> Jehovah Sikhinu, which means the Lord is my righteousness. Again, going back to the text, it says that he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. See, when we declare that the Lord is my righteousness, just like how Paul describes it in Philippians 3, is that we take on a righteousness that's not our own. So that even in our fault, in our sin, in every little area that we fall short, when God sees us, once we declare with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he will not see us in our sin, he will see Jesus. So we are, he is our righteousness. So I want to encourage you in this, is that maybe during the quarantine, you know, you were involved in church before the quarantine, you were involved in church, you were serving on Dream Team, and you were really, you were going all out. You fasted every single other day. You, you didn't only just wait on the 21 days. You, were, you felt like you were right with God, but yet... Because of all this free time, the, the somewhat lack of accountability, you just kind of distance yourself. And maybe you start talking a certain way that you shouldn't be talking. You start living a life that 
really doesn't display holiness. And, and I'm not saying this to convict and to condemn anyone or anything like that. At the end of the day, I know I'm not perfect. I know what I say when I play, when I play Call of Duty sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, <laughs> that's just the reality. By the way, don't ever add me on Call of Duty. Either way, um, but he is your righteousness. And the beauty in that is that once you accept that free gift of forgiveness, your past sin, your present sin, and even the sin you don't even know you're going to commit is all forgiven because Jesus is that good. The next name we have is Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is my constant companion. Going back to the text in verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's always by your side. He's, he's omnipresent. So when, when you're in the hospital, he's there. When you're in school, he's there. When you're, when you're dealing with the hardest time of your life and you're alone in your room and you can't even find it in you to turn on the lights, he's there. And maybe there's someone that needed to hear that today, that during this quarantine and during this entire season, you felt lonely. You felt like you have nobody. Your family doesn't reach out to you. It's just you feel like you have no thriving relationships. You feel like you have nothing. You have no one else to be there alongside of you. Remember, he is Jehovah Shammah. He is your constant, your constant companion. See, in Hebrews chapter 13, I love how the writer says that God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So now that we know that, we can say in confidence that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. The next name that we have is Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my defender. You know, in, in its original language, it actually means, uh, Nisi means my banner of victory. So that means that when you go out to battle, think of, think of, this, think of this picture that if you go out to battle, God is already there with a flag saying, we've already won. He's your defender. You know, back to the text, it says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know about you, but I definitely don't want to sit in a table with somebody I got beef with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's, it's awkward, that's for one. But also, it can remind you of pain. And, and then you think of how vulnerable you are around the, in those type of situations. It's like, are they going to hurt me again? Like, what can they do to me? But remember, he is Jehovah Nisi. He's your defender. He will prepare a table before you where you can relax, sit back, and eat all the hummus and pita chips you want in the presence of your enemies. And the eighth name that we can identify here is that he is Jehovah Makedesh. That was, a, that was an interesting one that I had to learn how to pronounce correctly. <laughs> Jehovah Makedesh, which means the Lord is my sanctifier. Again, let's go back to the text. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. See, to anoint, basically it means that you are set apart, that you are given purpose. That means that his hand is over you. If you're in here today, can you, can you declare that over your life? That God's hand is over you? That he anoints your head with oil? He has set you apart for something. You may not know what it is right now, and that's okay. Don't worry, as a church, that's why I love this community, that we're here, we're here to resource one another and, and help us grow in our gifts and, and, and really find our purpose. Yeah. But then the second half of that, it says that my cup runs over. 
So that means you are, you're given more to give than what you actually need. So that means that him as your sanctifier means that he has set you apart. He has called you to something more than what you're currently doing. He has destined you for a purpose on purpose. And it's all because of how Peter describes it, that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful, and in other translations, marvelous light. He's your sanctifier. He sets you apart. Eight names in six verses that we can identify. But that's the who. Now I just want to really quickly touch on the how. How do we, how do we get past these moments of pain? How do, we, how do we allow God to redeem our moments of pain? How do we allow God to turn those seeds that we're planting in pain and in sorrow and in tears into joy? Just three quick things. The first thing we got to do is we got to review. We have to review the situation. We have to look at the cold, hard facts. Let's not run away from the pain. Let's confront the pain. Let's look at it for what it is and just ask God to do something through it. Don't deny the existence of the pain. Don't think taking, don't think uh, keeping yourself distracted is going to heal it. It won't. Don't try to put a band-aid over what, what you need stitches for, right? Anyone try doing that? It's, it's not a good idea. The second thing we got to do is we got to recognize. You better recognize. <laughs> You got to recognize, you have to identify what God is doing through that situation. What God is trying to do, not only in you, but through you in that pain. See what you can learn from that pain. And the third thing we got to do, and this is really the most important, because now that we know who God says he is, we got to reaffirm. We got to reaffirm who he is. We got to declare his name. We got to declare that when you're dealing with the hardest moments in your life, when you look back at all the pain that you've dealt with, not only in 2020, but throughout your entire life, we got to reaffirm that he is who he says he is, that he is Jehovah Shammah, that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he is Jehovah Shalom, that he is Jehovah Raya, that he is Jehovah Makedesh, that he is Jehovah Sikhenu. Again, we may not understand everything that God is doing. We may not understand it. And sometimes, again, it's not going to make sense. But we need to have faith in who he says he is. And it's when we do that, when we finally have faith in who he says he is and reaffirm and declare and believe who he says he is to us, then we can tap into his promises. We can tap into every single bit of blessing that he has for us, whether it's in 2021 or throughout the rest of our lives. And what if... If possible, and I really want to ask if anyone can stand to the fee. I'm, I'm closing out now. And, you know, when I, asked, when I asked a little earlier, who is God to you? And maybe you're hearing this message, and for you, it's hard to answer that question. It's hard for you to say, God is my shepherd, that he is my pastor. Like, maybe you're thinking he wants nothing to do with me. My friend, I just want to encourage you with this. He, he wants everything to do with you. <laughs> That's why Jesus stepped down from heaven. And because he knew we can never live up to his standard. He knew that we would always fall short. He knew that there was no way we could reach him. So he came down to us. Not just me because I have a mic on my ear. Not because, not just the pastors or the, everybody here on stage. For you. For you. And what I want to ask is if we can close our eyes and bow our heads.
really this is just for a moment of privacy, a moment of concentration, a moment of, of reverence. Nobody looking around and, and really what I want us to do is reflect. And I want every single person in here to ask that question. Who is God to me? And I want to ask you, is he your shepherd? And if he's not, really what I want to do is I want to, I want to create a space. I want to create an opportunity for you to make a decision to say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I want you in my life. Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to be my peace. I want you to be my provider. I want you to be my righteousness. I want you to be my sanctifier. I want you to be my defender. I want you to be my constant companion. See, Jesus, he, he took on the sins of the world, my sin, your sin. Every single place where we fall short and he gave himself up as a sacrifice on that cross because the wages of sin is death. But to spare you from that sting of death, he took it on for the whole world, past, present, and future. And really what I want to do right now is give somebody an opportunity to accept that, I guess that atonement, that payment. Because all we have to do is declare with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and that he rose from the dead, that he is greater than death. And then we ourselves will be saved. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Nothing you can do to pay for it. All you have to do is just receive it. So with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, I want to ask right now, anyone in here, anyone really watching online, if you're hearing this and you feel like something's tugging at your heart, you feel like God is calling you, that you want him to be your shepherd. Or maybe you, you've made a decision like this previously, but have called, you've done what we call backslidden, like you fell, you feel distant from him. If you want to declare your life to Jesus and declare that he is your shepherd today, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. You can put it right back down. No one looking around. I'm not going to point you out or anything. I just want to know who I'm praying for. So on the count of three, you can put your hand right up. One, two, three. That's you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Amazing. First and foremost, congratulations on the best decision of your life. It's my honor that I'm able to help lead you into that, that decision. And really what I want us to do still with eyes closed and heads still bowed, I want to lead you in a prayer if you made that decision today. It's not a prayer to me. It's not a prayer to a church. It's really a prayer to God. I just really want to make this as easy as possible. It's a repeat after me prayer. And because we are a church family, we're all going to say it together. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I believe that you're the son of God and on the third day, you died for my sins and that you rose again. <laughs> Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord, be my shepherd and be my savior. I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I love you and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we give a round of applause for every single person making that decision today? Come on. Can we, can we congratulate the new members of our church, of our family? Amazing. Amazing. And hey, uh, mind if I get this in prayer? Thank you. If you made that decision, really we, what we want to do is we want to put this free Bible in your hand. This Bible, you know, you probably, you can download the app. Yeah, that's cool, but this one has notes. And you can go ahead and grab one right outside. There's going to be a tent with people holding them up. And maybe if you don't feel comfortable, you know, talking to anyone, trust me, I get it. You have to build trust. Why don't you actually go ahead and text the word decided to the number 33222. It's going to come up on the screens. That right there, you're just going to receive a link. We're going to send you an email. And really, we'll just ship you a Bible to make sure it's free in your hands. And for anybody watching online, same thing. If you made that decision, uh, go ahead and text that number. 
But again, congratulations. I'm just so happy that you made that decision today. Well, church, I really hope, I really hope that you were blessed by that word. I really hope that it wouldn't just be something that we leave here on Sunday, but we can apply this to our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and every other day of the week. And that we remember this as we step into this new year. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna go out worshiping, we're gonna go out throwing a party. But before we do, I wanna go ahead and pray for your year. Why don't we go ahead and lift up our hands and let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, just for your faithfulness, God. I pray that you would always remind us that you're with us and for us, God. Bless every single person that's here. Bless every person watching, God. Lord, may you go before us and behind us, God, as we step into this new year. May it be a year of abundance, a year of blessing, and a year of your favor. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen.